0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.
1: Hello, welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show number, would you believe it, 462 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We are raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups are out there developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. Don't forget you can visit engageforsuccess.org to learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter so you never miss out on any of our great free resources, events and updates. And I'm Andy Gorham, your host for today's show and founder of BizJucer, an employee engagement and culture development consultancy that helps companies retain more of their great people and make it easier for them to attract fabulous new talent to by aligning people, strategy, and culture. Now, the recent quarterly labor market review by the CIPD confirmed that recruitment and retention are still the number one challenges for businesses in the current market. And whilst... Most recent solutions to this have seen an increase in wages. This is not a long-term sustainable solution for many businesses. And as a result, many are now refocusing their attention on other retention strategies to upskill and develop their existing workforce to plug skill gaps left by recruitment holes and to engage their people. Some will welcome this development opportunity and what it may bring for them. Others may well be sceptical. Now, one such development approach is, of course, coaching. But how do you go about engaging someone with the concept of coaching if they really don't fancy it? Well, my guest today is Nick O'Donnell, founder of The Spinning Plate, who, after a 30-year career which started at the Walt Disney Company and had a continued love affair with the hospitality industry, has found an approach which he says makes the idea of coaching more relatable to people And helps them become more resilient, confident, and more successful at leading teams. And he's going to share his thoughts and stories and advice with us on that topic today. So, welcome to the show, Nick.
0: Thanks, Andy. Uh, That's quite an introduction. Thank you very much for that. And it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you.
1: Ah, look, mate, it's great to have you here. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about how you engage more people especially the skeptics with the whole idea of of coaching before we dig into that though can I just ask you to give us a little bit more info about what you do today and how you're focused
0: well what I do today I've got two main projects that I've got going on today one of them is uh, my family uh, married with three daughters all at different stages of their educational progress the the youngest is going to is still in nursery and the eldest just started in uh, grammar school a couple of weeks ago so that keeps me very busy and I'll point out why I've mentioned that first uh, a little bit later because my second big project is of course running my business the spinning plate uh, which as you said in the intro, uh, is a business that I set up specifically designed to help people engage with the concept of coaching and um it's quite a, an involved story, actually, how I arrived at calling the company The Spinning Plate. But um, it, it's uh, something that I'm really happy to share because just as you said, some people are very sceptical about the concept of coaching. And uh, when I did my qualification, um, I was working at Mitchells & Butlers at the time, and I got to thank Susan Martindale and uh, uh, uh Dulcie Swanston, who were both massive coaching champions. And uh, they introduced a, a training training, program it turned out it started off as a one-day foundation introduction to coaching and at that moment I I was absolutely hooked in completely I I recognized the language it reminded me of very much of how I've been going about doing things in my career anyway you know through collaboration and genuine team focus and bringing people along on the journey and being open to suggestions and open to ideas Uh, and so I, I really got a thank them for introducing me to something that I didn't even know existed. Right. Right. Then when I found out that it did exist, I realized that very few people wanted to get involved in it. So I thought I'm going to have to do something about this. And um, there's a a fantastic company out there called notion. uh, And they, they took care of all the training for everyone that did this coaching, coaching qualification. Uh, And uh, it was while I was preparing my dissertation papers for that qualification, that I stumbled after many efforts upon the concept of the spinning plate.
1: (laughs) Well, I I look forward to digging into that. I think as a a service brand experience culture nut, I'd be a complete wally if I didn't ask someone who'd worked for Disney if they had their own store. I mean, everybody has got a Disney story along the line somewhere. What What's your Disney story that's related to employee engagement or, or customer experience?
0: Oh, you know, I fitted into Disney like a hand into a glove, <laughs> you know. Um, up until that point, you know, I've worked in pubs, bars, and restaurants. My mother uh, sent me and my sister to a silver service training uh facility at a, a local hotel in Derry in Northern Ireland and it it just, it just shows the different kinds of people in the world. Um, I loved that training course and my sister hated it <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she had nothing to do with hospitality thereafter uh, whereas I I just absolutely loved it and I was very very good at it so I, I loved the idea of uh, finding ways to make people happy change their experiences from bad into good you know i I really love going out of my way to make that happen just as a waiter on the floor and then when uh, disney rocked up and started interviewing people this is back in 1991 late 91 early 92 i attended the interview up at uh, manchester hilton and um, i got employed and so packed up all my stuff and moved to paris Mm. got a job at the disney resort which was From day one, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. And the obsession with amazing guest experiences, impeccable guest experiences, it really resonated with me. It was something that I did in my life anyway. Uh, And it was great that it was such an important part of doing the job out there. So um, stories, guest experience stories, engagement stories, I've got many, many, many. But my favorite one involves a, a, a wonderful Swedish family that came into the restaurant I was working in. It was called the Hunter's Grill restaurant, great place. Um, and they were sitting having dinner on a Friday evening and I was chatting with them, what, do you, what have you got planned for tomorrow? And they said, well, we're going to go into Paris and do a bit of shopping. And I said, well, with your children? And They had two children, uh, Nicholas and Astrid, they were called. And they were about nine and six years old. Uh, I said, look, why don't I come to your hotel room, pick the children up, take them into the park for the day, you go and do shopping in Paris and then come and pick them up here uh, in the evening. And they said, would you do that for us? I said, yeah, sure, 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 I'd do that. And I did it and took them into the park. The parents went into Paris up to the Champs-Élysées uh, buying shoes and handbags and everything. They weren't short of a bottle or two. <laughs> the and, uh, uh, they came back and picked the children up. Um, and that was great. I felt fantastic. But then afterwards they sent a letter to the walt disney offices in uh, in orlando and pointed it out that i'd done this for them and i got a fantastic bit of recognition from the company i got a little pin to wear my badge customer service excellence award for the year uh quite a fantastic story it was no trouble for me to do that it made such a big difference to them and those are the sorts of things that if it's easy for you to do it and you go ahead and do it and it has a big impact on other people then everyone's a winner, you know? And um, that's just one of many stories of how Disney encouraged people to just go the extra mile, try and find a way to make things not just good, but absolutely impeccable.
1: And that's what I love about the whole, the whole concept of Disney because everybody I speak to uh, has their own stories. They're all of a similar ilk. And my own story, which I, I, that we do not have time to share here today, but on the other side as, 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 a, as a guest, is nothing you'd find in a manual it's just somebody who who gets the whole idea of something and goes with it and tries to give a great experience and look you mentioned in their silver service and I mentioned a love affair with hospitality um what was it that sparked your relationship with hospitality?
0: Well I suppose um, necessity is the mother of invention really and I needed a few Bob you know just to spend on chips and comics and stuff and my friend's father owned a a bar in Derry called the Savoy Uh, and trust me, it's nothing like the Savoy in London. And um, so I used to work there a couple of shifts a week, just for a a few quid. Then I did the silver service thing. And so I I would work uh, functions, wedding receptions, business dinners and things like that at a banqueting uh, hotel outside Derry. Uh, My mother said, if you're a good waiter, a good bartender, you'll always find a part-time job to subsidize your university education. And she was absolutely right. I don't think she anticipated how much I was going to love it because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, off I went to London and studied environmental engineering at university, uh, working weekends and evenings in, in a restaurant in the West End. And the more I worked on it, the more I enjoyed it, the more I realized I was very good at it. And uh, and by the time I finished university, I pretty much decided I was going to make a career in the hospitality industry. And that was quite a phone call to have with my mother, who... You know, because I played with Lego as a child, she had me earmarked as an engineer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you could you could carry a load of plates. I mean, you clearly knew how to balance stuff around.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. plates played a big, big part in the hospitality business. And here they are playing a big, big part in my new career. Exactly.
1: So uh, that's why I wanted to ask. I'm guessing that the whole spinning plate analogy has come from this time in hospitality. but. What what's it mean? Explain to us this concept because this is the whole point of having a chat today. Is that you've you've found this way to engage people and including skeptics uh, with the idea of coaching, which is so much more popular nowadays. But I'm really interested to understand where the analogy comes from, uh, how it relates to, to to coaching, and and how you engage skeptics in this whole thing.
0: Well, yes, it, it's interesting that you know I came from hospitality and my company's called the Spinning Plate, but I have to tell you. The two things aren't related. Part of the education process of learning about coaching at all levels uh, often introduces the the concept of introducing um, analogies to deal with complex matters. Uh, there are so many brilliant examples of this around. The one that I often quote to people is a is a graphic novel uh, called uh, Mouse, which uh, deals with the atrocities of of the Second World War, but it it uh, refers to the bad guys as um, cats and the victims of the bad guys as mice and by changing the language about what cats can do to mice it makes it easier for them to talk about the atrocities that happened during the second world war mm-hmm. that's a very powerful uh, way to make it easy for people to explain how challenging they're finding things mm. and um, my initial analogy that i thought worked for me was i saw myself as the guy that shovels the coal into the uh, engines of a big old-fashioned ocean liner, (laughs) right? That uh, my job was to keep everything moving in the right direction at the right speed. Mm. And uh, the coal was support and advice that I could offer people and and all the rest of it. It became too too complicated to try and fit all the moving parts that coaching um, involves. Uh, And so I, I went through a number of different ones as well. And then one day, it just occurred to me that life is like a plate spinning on a stick. And if it gets too heavy, the stick might buckle. And if it gets too wobbly, the plate might fall. And it's the job of everyone to make sure that their plate is light enough that they can handle it and balanced enough so it doesn't fall over. And that eventually became the the premise of one of the three dissertations I had to write for my qualification, Um, you only have one life. Everything is on that plate. There is nothing else. So it needs to be balanced and you need to know how to deal with things that happen unexpectedly that land on the plate and might cause it to wobble. Now, some people might make a decision to land something else on the plate in the hope that it'll balance the first issue. For example, there's someone at work that doesn't produce quality Uh, And I find myself having to double check everything that they do. So maybe I need to hire someone who can do the double checking for me. Then they end up with the same person doing the same stuff. Another person checking the stuff and you haven't checked both of them. They may have restored balance, but their plate's now heavier and it's causing more stress on the stick. Now, what's the stick in this scenario? The stick is you. Mm. The stick is you. And what I say to people to help engage in coaching is I can help you restore balance to your plate. I can help make it lighter. And if you've got nothing that requires work in your life, then I can help you work on yourself, make yourself better, read the books, go to the seminars, talk to people, listen to them, find solutions, use experts wisely. Don't be ashamed to admit that there's something that you don't know enough about and go and you know improve that situation. Because the best situation you can end up with is a plate with nothing on it and a stick that's strong enough to handle anything. And that's how I help people engage with the concept of getting a coach. Restore balance, make your life a bit lighter and make yourself a bit stronger. And that's it.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds simple enough, but I mean, explaining it, you know, uh, blocks out the initial uh, maybe assumption or, or, or preconditioned way of thinking about these things. Because the whole spinning plate. And I know you're very keen that there's only an E on the end of plate. There's not plates. If someone says that to you initially, it's kind of like, Oh, this is about juggling lots of things in your life. Um, uh, with multiple plates spinning. And this is not the concept that you're talking about. This is, there is one plate. There is one stick. It's about maintaining balance.
0: Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. People, people often say to me, Oh yeah, I feel like I'm spinning plates. And I said, well, the first thing you need to do is reduce it down to one plate. Mm. Um, if, if it feels as though your work life and your private life and any other secret life that you might have are all colliding with each other, then you need to do something about it. It's not sustainable. It isn't. It isn't a situation that can be managed multiply. You know, some people have a spinning plate, and on the spinning plate is another spinning plate. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and I say them you have got to resolve that. You've got to resolve it, and those solutions are found by. Uh, taking the situation that's causing the wobble to the center of the plate. So it's still there, but it's having less influence and dealing with it from there. It might not make the plate lighter immediately, but it will restore some sense of balance. Um, There's not a person that will listen to this podcast that doesn't have something going on in their lives that they know they should have done something about a year ago or maybe even two years ago or three years ago, but it's too scary for them to engage with. I talk to people like that all the time. They know they should have done something about it and they just kept putting it off. And it's there. It's on the plate. They've pushed it to the edge. They're not thinking about it often enough, but it's having a massive influence on all the other decisions that they make. It's there. And the closer to the edge that it is, the bigger the influence it's having. You know, (laughs) so drawing, forcing people uh, through questioning and questioning and questioning and probing and probing and probing to get them to recognize what it is that's having this influence on them bringing it to the middle of the plate immediately has a positive impact on how they feel about things they feel as though they have made a move in the right direction and from there you can make proper plans to resolve things for good
1: and i think this is an interesting thing about coaching because there's a ton of things that are positive about it and and there are many many folk who are very open to this stuff and welcome it in there are there are sections of our community that would be more guarded and find this a much tougher experiences uh, of having to sort of face into some of these things that perhaps they are aware that they've put off or maybe it's a blind spot or, or, or maybe they're directly hiding from something, but I'm genuinely interested. I'm obviously analogy and storytelling plays quite a big part in, in the whole process. But if you've got the, the cynics and the skeptics to kind of, deal with um people who people who i can hear sort of saying i got i got work to do nick um i i'm not got a time for a whole bunch of staring at my navel um what what do you say to these guys because your thing around engaging people with the concept of coaching is it as simple as the plate analogy gets everybody on board or or are there other things you find that you really have to kind of push into to to engage a, let's say, slightly more closed audience to the possibilities of coaching?
0: Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, You're absolutely right about that. Some people um, are, they're, they're always looking for progress and forward motion and moving forward and getting past things. And they are, you know, they're already engaged with the concept of coaching. What I find is the people that need it the most are often reluctant to get involved Mm. because we're all we're all conflicted you know uh i mean have a look at the gym membership of the united kingdom how many people have gym memberships compared to how many people go to the gym you know that's the conflict that's inside all of us i know i need to do something about my fitness i'm going to join a gym and then they think that that's the end of the project (laughs) yeah (laughs) You (laughs) you then have to go as well you know the 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 conflict that exists in all of us is I know I should do something about this, but the brain gets involved. You know, it wasn't me, governor. It was the brain that made me do it. You know, that's a perfectly legitimate answer because your brain is brilliant at telling you don't bother. Why would you It's too much work? Everything's fine as it is. You, you know, I mean, you've been dealing with this for years. So what's another few years, you don't need to get involved, you know, and that's the, some of the aspects that you learn when you, when you dig, dig deeper into the world of coaching, uh, the neuroscience behind it, the way the brain operates. There's a, a fabulous uh, model called the SCARF principle.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah, yeah.
0: S C A R F, which, you know, when you explain to people the reason that you feel so panicked all the time is because you're not making plans and decisions to help with your status anxiety or help with their, your ability to control the future or your ability to. Be responsible for your own decisions, or the, the, the relatedness that you have with the team around you, or the fairness of life—you know—the mm. when people understand that their sense of panic is something that they can do something about by asking better questions and thinking uh, in a more logical and linear way uh, about where their anxieties are coming from, then yes, you can get into under the skin of even the very thickest-skinned individuals who who think that. Coaching isn't going to be good for them, but you're, you're right. There are some people that they're just, they're just not up for it. They're not into it. Uh, you can't provide uh, coaching is an adaptive solution to a situation. Some people just want technical solutions, you know, something they can do or an app that they can download or, or something like that. Um, for example, someone wants to lose weight, they go on a diet, right? That's a technical solution to a technical problem. Uh, if I don't eat this and six months later, they lose two stone and they're they're delighted about it. Um, If they don't change their way of life, then they're going to put on three stone. Well, maybe not three, but the average is you put on 106% of the weight you lost in the diet, right? Because what you require is an adaptive change. And what you've applied is a technical solution. Uh, The brain will be very happy with that. The brain will, will tell you, yep, well done. Good first step. Now you can get back to what you were doing before. Uh, the job of the coach is to ask more questions, ask another question. Uh, there's a, the notion the company that I, that I mentioned earlier, Laura Ashley Tims and her husband, Dominic, who own and run that company, have just written a book. I mean, they've been doing this for years and years. Uh, they've just written a book after all this time called uh, Ask Another Question. And... Um, uh, no, it's not called that. another question. it's called the answer is a question, right? The answer is a question. And that's the job of the coach is to ask the questions that provoke the person to dig deeper into why it is they believe what they believe. And if that what they believe is preventing them from moving forward, then they really need to, they really need to find a plan to deal with that, get over it, get round it, get through it, get past it get those barriers out of the way they're limiting their ability to progress in their lives and that's the job of the coach um how do you get very very thick-skinned people involved well you just keep on trying and you keep on asking and um so far for me anyway i've not encountered a client that i haven't been able to help in a very significant way and uh but uh, and long may that continue but i'm also very prepared for the the time that'll inevitably happen when i meet someone who's just not prepared to Dig deep enough into their own um, their own minds to find out what it is that's stopping them from getting past the thing that's holding them back.
1: No, I think that's absolutely the 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 role of the coach. Um, so when you're dealing with your clients, and I don't know whether the, the today's environment has kind of influenced or changed some of these things, but you we've talked about confidence resilience. What are what are some of the most common issues that you find? people are dealing with or unaware that they're dealing with them and, and how do you end up helping them through some of these things?
0: Well there's there are a lot of things going on at the, at the minute. Um, a lot of businesses that I work with are very customer facing although I have a new client starting with me now and they they, they manufacture um, drugs for large pharmaceutical companies and <clears there's> a <throat> big, big bunch of PhD students and they contacted me yesterday and asked when can they When can we meet? And I said, well, I might have a slot for you on Wednesday morning. We have only 30 minutes. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah." And they're desperate to get someone to come in and help them refocus after COVID. So in their environment, it's about uh, how working from home has impacted the way the team works when they meet and things like that. Um, They've realized that some of the personalities have changed in the course of the past couple of years. Uh, that the leadership styles have changed as well. They've become too used to working from home. And now when they're in the office, they're, 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 their expectations are slightly different. So that that's one side of things. Mm. Another bunch of my clients are more customer-facing, retail and things like that. Um, and they're having to redesign their businesses around having fewer people walking through the front door, but massive online opportunities opening up. Um they see other people doing these things incredibly well. They're hearing stories of, uh, you know, uh, restaurants that used to be on the King's Road that were doing fifty grand a week have closed down and have gone online only, and they're doing a hundred grand a week uh, without having to wash any cutlery, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, and, and they're wondering why can't I do that? Yeah. yeah. Why can't I do that? And I ask them, well, why can't you do that? You know, and that's where it starts. Is uh, people generally get in touch with a, a, a coach when they believe that what they're doing isn't enough or isn't good enough or they could do better or what's stopping them from believing that they could do better. Um, so there's an awful lot of that uh, adaptive work around business management. That's a huge part of the business that I, that I work in is, is helping business managers manage their business better. Yeah, uh, it overlaps a bit with what you're doing as well with the regards to the engagement of their employees. Yeah, uh, there's a whole new wave of people coming through now that have got different expectations from their job and they hop and skip and jump from one to the other. You know, um, it was all predictable. I gotta say, I remember um, making this observation maybe eight, nine, ten years ago saying, you know, in, in in Pret or Starbucks, I think it was, they give you a muffin with a candle in it on your birthday. You know? Yeah, what what are we doing? <laughs> You know, and um, so the the most common issues that I deal with are people who don't think they can do what they want to do. That's self-limitation, it. self-limitation, self-limiting beliefs, um, you know, pointing out to them that, you know, they learned how to ride a bike. They learned how to read, write, do maths, all this. They learned all of these things. Some people have learned two, three, four languages and they're worried because they don't know how to use WhatsApp. <laughs> you know, you're 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 you've already proved to yourself your ability to adapt to different situations. What's making you think you can't adapt to this one? And I mean, very often, I mean, the reality is the limiting beliefs that people have are are deeply buried in them. You know, I, I read a thing recently that um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll describe a game that they played on these people. It was in a corporate event. There were three people. Uh, they weren't in the same room. They were playing an online game where the, the chap had two buttons. He could either pass the ball to the little uh, avatar on the right or push the left-hand button and that would pass the ball to the person on the left. And three people were playing the ball and the goal was to pass it to each other. And so the guy's passing it to the right. He's passing it to the left. He's passing it to the right. He's passing it to the left. All of a sudden, the other two people stopped passing it to him and they just pass it to each other. One, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the feeling of being left out, uh, they were you know, they were monitoring the brain impulses uh, during this uh, experiment. The feeling of being left out registered in the same part of the brain that deals with pain, and it registered on a scale equivalent to having your leg broken. <laughs> right? right. Now, all of us, I think, can probably remember a time in childhood or early adulthood or whatever where we felt like we were left out. And we didn't like that feeling, right? Now, not everyone's broken their leg. I broke my wrist once um, and it hurt, really hurt. When I think back to when um, I broke my wrist, the pain doesn't come back in my wrist. But when I think back to a time when I may have been left out of something, the pain of that rejection comes back just as strongly as the day that it happened. This is the power that the brain has over people. It can convince you that things are real that aren't real that everything's too much effort, which the things aren't too much effort. As any child that's learned how to ride a bike can confirm, it was difficult, but it wasn't impossible. Uh, I learned French in my 20s. You know, I moved to Paris. I had no choice. I was tired of going out to buy bread and coming home with a jacuzzi. So I had to learn the language, you know. Um, so pe- people uh, people need to believe that they can achieve what they want to achieve and I can help them do that.
1: And if you could give them one singular piece of advice before we run out of time today, Nick, what, what, what would you say to them on this whole topic of engaging with coaching?
0: Well, the one piece of advice I would split it into four. I would say, think about your goals in life. Think about that thing. You know, you should have done something about a year ago. Think about what you could do about it now. And if you find it too difficult to work it out for yourself, get yourself a coach. <laughs>
1: that, that is sound advice for all of us, Nick. Um, a perfect summary there. And, ridiculously that is all the time we have uh, to talk to each other today so listen please don't forget to visit engaged success.org to check out the show notes and get hold of all of our fab free engagement resources and don't forget you can also download any of the great shows that we've had before from from the archive completely at your leisure nick thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and experiences and advice with us today
0: that was my pleasure thank you very much
1: brilliant we'll be back again at the same time next week I'm Andy Gorham, and thanks for listening to Engage for Success Radio.
0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining
1: a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.